Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you. I'm Andy Mon, one of the pastors here at the Valley Church. I just want to I want to welcome you to this this service, this Easter celebration. This is the best day ever. And the reason it's the best day ever, it's Easter. And he is risen, and that changes everything. We're going to be talking about that today. I, I don't know about you, but my family likes to watch uh, some episodes of, of Doomsday Preppers. Anybody else here watch any of those? It's so fascinating. The idea behind most of these preppers is that they want to prepare for something bad that's coming, whether it's a terrorist attack or whether the, uh, you know, the, the economy melts down or, or whether there's a hurricane, a drought, whatever it might be. And it's fascinating to watch some of the things that some of these doomsday preppers are working on. Uh, some of the things are kind of something along my line. They, they plant gardens and they're raising food and they're putting it back and they're storing and water. They're doing all those kinds of, of things, but some of them aren't probably as mainstream. I remember this one uh, episode where the guy from his house built, did a, dug a tunnel to the backyard, all the way through the backyard to this building out on the far end of the property, and he put a tube down there, and the idea was when bad things happened, they were going to go through the tube to the bug out vehicle that was stationed in the backyard, and they were going to take off. The only problem was uh, his daughter was scared of spiders and wouldn't go through it. So some of these things, they sound good in theory. I remember one where they took the ATV, or I don't know if it was an ATV or a gator, and they turned it into a rolling tank. Now that one I liked, and I thought that one's got legs, so I talked to Paula about preparing. So I thought that's, and she, she nicks the idea. So we're still not prepared. We don't have any rolling tanks. I, I thought it was just a grand idea. You know, Doomsday preppers, the thing that they fear is the thing that they can't control. The thing that they fear is the, is the, is the thing that they can't get out of themselves. And I think all of us have a fear about something in life, something that, that is bigger than we are, that, that, that is something that we can't dig ourselves out of. And, and we've all experienced difficult things in our own lives. Uh, I experienced a job loss early in life. Um, my daughter was in a terrible accident. I, I struggled with my identity at one point in, in my life. And both Paul and I have struggled with, uh, with knowing what God's plan was and not doing it at different parts of our life and struggled with forgiveness and being forgiven. And every one of us have some, some of those painful, hard crises in life that make us wonder, can we overcome this? Is this something we can, we can get out of? And we begin to fear those things and we wonder, Who's going to come to rescue us? Who's going to help us? Because we know that it's bigger than who we are. And I think the worst feeling in the world, the worst feeling in all the world, is that there isn't a future, that there isn't a hope, that, that it can't be good again, and that we don't know if we can make it out. Because hope is this powerful thing when we have it. Hope is this huge, powerful thing when we have it. But when we don't, things can fall apart. 
Viktor Frankl was in the Holocaust and he was in uh, Auschwitz, which was a, a, a concentration camp. And in, in that time that he was in there, he had this friend, a close friend. And, and as they were going through this terrible experience, his friend had a dream that they were going to be liberated in this, in this time that they were there. It was coming up, it, March 30th. He even had a date of when they were gonna be liberated. And so all of a sudden he got pretty giddy and excited about what was happening. And, and yet as the date approached, as this March 30th date approached, they got some more news and, and news of where the war was at and what was happening and he began to realize this guy who had had this dream that they were gonna be liberated on March 30th that had given him such hope, he began to realize it wasn't gonna happen. And so the day before they were, he in his mind thought they were to be liberated, he lost hope. Victor said he developed a fever that day the next day he was unconscious, and the day after that, he died. And Victor said that the reason he died was that he'd lost hope, that, that, that his hope had been dashed and crushed. You know, you and I need hope. You and I need hope, and without it, we cannot thrive. And I'm not talking about a hope that's, a, well, I uh, hope it happens. No, we need a no-so hope that we know that we know that we know that somebody's coming to rescue us, that, that this isn't all there is, that there's something bigger than us because we can't prepare enough for doomsday. We can't prepare enough for the things that we do in our own life or others do to us, and we, we need somebody to come and rescue us. But where do we get that kind of hope? Where do we get that kind of hope? Jesus' disciples had asked the same kind of question. They wondered, where is our hope? And for hundreds of years, they'd been waiting because there had been this promised Messiah that was supposed to come, but then prophecy had gone silent for 400 years, and they're wondering, is this thing ever going to happen? And then Jesus appears on the scene, and he begins to do things like miracles and amazing things. He feeds thousands of people, and it's he validates that he is the Messiah, and they begin to trust him. They begin to believe in him, and, and they, finally, they finally have hope that a Savior's come, that someone can pull them out of the situation they're in. But then comes the cross. Th then comes the cross, and Jesus is crucified on a cross. Put, put yourself in the place of the disciples. They had left everything and began to follow Jesus. They'd put their complete hope in him. They had lived with him for, for three years. And they had decided that he truly was the Messiah, that he was the one who was to come. And, and they had a certain impression about what he was to look like, the Messiah, and what he was to do. And, and as they were following him, then he goes to the cross. And, and, and they, now Jesus had told him, he was going to die on a cross, that that was part of what he had to do so that they could be rescued, but it didn't compute for them. See, they had a different picture of what the Messiah ought to look like. In fact, Peter went so far as to say, Jesus, quit talking about dying on the cross. Messiahs don't do that. Kings don't do that. But Jesus was a different kind of king. And what are today, sometimes if we miss Jesus, if we miss who he is and what he wants to do in our life because we have a different view of how he ought to look, what he ought to do, how he ought to work in our life. And I want you to know God has your best interest at heart. Jesus died for you. That's how much he loves you. And if something comes into your life that you didn't expect and you think God should have done something differently, 
I want you to know he loves you with a supreme love. Don't miss him because you have a different view of who he ought to be. What happens after Jesus is on the cross is that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, two men, go, go get him off the cross, and, they, and we read about in Mark what happens. It says, so Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. And it gets really real at that point because, see, the stone is rolled against the entrance. Like, this is final. That stone wasn't some minor little deal. No, that stone was so big that when they, when they finally pried it loose, it rolled down and then clunked into place. And you weren't just going to pick that thing and take it back out. Like, it was final. And Jesus, the hope that they had, that they were thriving on, was in a tomb. You ever feel like your hope's in a tomb? Ever feel like there's something you just can't break free of? Something so hard has happened in your life that you'll never, you'll never get beyond it. You don't see how life can turn out good in this world because you see what's happening all around you. Or maybe you don't believe in God at all, so you just don't see a future at all. And so your hope is in a tomb, just like Jesus. Something happens after Jesus is in a tomb. He's been there. He was put there in about 6 o'clock, 7 on a Friday night. And then Saturday happens. Saturday is the Sabbath day for Jewish people, and so nothing can happen on Sabbath. And so Sunday morning is the, is the first day of the week. It's, it's after the Sabbath, and now things can begin to happen. And on Sunday, it does. You see, it's the first day of the rest of eternity. <laughs> It says on the first day of the week. This is in Luke, by the way, Luke chapter 24. We have picked up, Luke is telling the story of what happens so that you and I can know, so that you and I can know the Messiah. He says on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Very early. On the first day of the week. Can, can you sense that this is the first day of the beginning of the rest of eternity? Like this is a moment in time that splits the old and the new. This is the moment in time that splits the lack of hope to hope. And, and you begin to see these two women, they go to the tomb, they prepared the spices, they've been working ahead on the Sabbath day, and now, and now they go to the tomb. And, and you have to wonder, you know, as they're walking to the tomb, what are they thinking? Well, we don't have to think very long because it says they found the stone rolled away from the tomb when they get there. But, but look what Mark says. We get a little more insight once these women were thinking as they're going, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Good question. You saw the picture. That's what tombs were like in those days. And 
there's no way those two women were going to move that rock on their own. And so they're heading to the tomb, not even knowing how they're going to get in. Like, like this thing is too insurmountable. There's no way that the stone is going to be rolled away. There's just no way. Who's going to roll the stone away? You know, I think that's the question of life, isn't it? When we face something insurmountable, when our sin weighs us down and keeps us from God, when we can't see a way out, when we don't know the path forward, who will roll the stone away? I think it's, a, I think it's the great question of life. They need a miracle. They need a miracle or they can't get in. Mary Magdalene, by the way, knew what shame was. She knew what needing to have the stone rolled away meant. Before she met Jesus, she used her body to pay the bills and probably to fill a void in her life. She had seven demons cast out of her. She, she had lived this life of hopelessness, and yet there was this man who was also God, who came into her life named Jesus, and she began to see him for who he was, the Messiah, and she put her trust and her faith in him. And she felt like the stone had been rolled away, but her hope had been dashed again. And so as she walks to the tomb with the other Mary, they're, they're probably not only wondering about the stone, but I wonder if they're secretly hoping that something different will be there. Like, have you ever faced reality and just thought, I hope there's a new reality when I get there? I, I hope, I hope, but you know in your humanness, and you know in, in humanly speaking, it can't change. And yet, <laughs> something great is about to happen. It said, but when they entered the tomb, because it was open, the stone had been rolled away, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now this, can, there, there had to be a, a sense of confusion, astonishment. Well, where did the body go? Who took him? What happened? And then, I wonder if that, I wonder if that, like, that hope began to grow. Because this is so unexpected. The stone rolled away, and now the tomb is empty. The unexpected. Have you ever... Have you ever thought that maybe God wants to do something unexpected in your life? That God wants to do something that you can't even fathom. That he wants to heal your marriage. That he wants to remove your shame. That he wants to restore you as sons and daughters so that you understand who you are in him. Do you, do, do you, do you expect that maybe the unexpected could happen? It says, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. What a shock. What a shock. The, the angel tells them, he's not here. He's risen. He's risen. That, how can that happen? Nobody rises from the dead. But that moment changes everything. 
It was uh, several, in fact, quite a few years back, Sports Illustrated did an uh, a, 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 a article on the top 10 comebacks of all time. And, and they listed people like Muhammad Ali. They listed the, the countries of like Germany and Japan after World War II because they went through some horrific things. But do you know who they listed as number one on the list? Jesus Christ. Do you know why? Because nobody has ever come back from the dead. Nobody's ever done the things that Jesus Christ did, all the miracles, all the uh, healing people, the things that no one else could do. And you know what I love about this day, about the comeback of Jesus Christ? It makes good all the promises that Jesus has ever made. And there are lots of promises that God makes all through Scripture. There are lots of promises and, and, and covenants that Jesus makes in the New Testament. But I want us to know this, the empty tomb says that Jesus really is who he says he is. I mean, when you can raise yourself from the dead, it puts a stamp on everything you do. And I want you to know, this is so huge because he claimed to be God. He claimed to be the Savior. He claimed to be the one who could heal you, the one who could forgive you, the one who could make you new. He claimed to be the one who, who existed always and always will exist who is eternal who has us for all time you know jesus had told his disciples time and time again that he was going to have to be crucified on a cross to pay the price for their sins and then he would be raised from the dead but they just didn't seem to get it and they dismissed what he said because they didn't think that the messiah ought to act that way that the messiah would come that way and I just wonder in our lives, if, as we've gone through life, if we've dismissed Jesus because we thought he should do it differently. We thought maybe he should come in a certain way. He should take this out of our life and he should do this when Jesus wants to save you. And I don't want you to miss him. I don't want you to miss him. It says, it's interesting he tells the women this. He says, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. I don't think like they just forgot him. I think it was more a sense of they had dismissed him. They had put them to the side. They had weighed him and said, eh, I don't think so. And they'd moved on. But have you ever been where you, you heard something and intellectually you knew it, but it just never made it from here to here? It, it just didn't travel the 12, 18 inches down? I think in that moment, the remember is, oh yeah, wow. And they see it totally differently. Hope this is a day where you will see this, what Jesus has done totally differently. Because it'll change your life. It says, when they came back from the tomb, the, these are the women, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others, which is so fascinating that he used women because they were, their testimony wasn't even allowed in the court of law in those days. They, they weren't considered on the equal with men. And yet Jesus uses this very moment, God uses this very moment to elevate women to say they're going to be the spokesmen about this event in all of history. And he uses that moment. So what does the empty tomb mean for you and me today? 
What does it mean for us right now? I think it, it means this. Everything Jesus committed to do for us, he's able to do. If he can raise himself from the dead, he certainly can raise you and I from the dead. And if he can raise us from the dead, he can certainly forgive us. And if he can forgive us, he certainly can heal us. And if he can heal us, he can give us a purpose and a place in heaven for all eternity. I, I think one of the things that I want us to focus on today is that Jesus said we wouldn't die. He said we wouldn't die. When I was a little kid, I, I used to go to bed, and I, I'd be like laying there, and I, I would think about what's going to happen when I die. And I would think, eternity. That's a long time. And I would get scared, and I would shake. Because I thought, what if I just go into nothingness? And I didn't understand the gospel as we do today. And so there was just this fear inside of me that I, I would just go away and be nothing. And Jesus says, that's not going to happen. See, you won't die. None of us want to die, do we? There were three guys talking about what they wanted people to say at their funeral. And the first guy said, I want people to say that I was a great guy. The second guy said, well, I want people to say that I was a great husband and father. And the third guy said, I want people to say, look, he's moving. <laughs> None of us want to die. <laughs> and we don't have to. Yes, we will pass from this life to the next. But that's just a physical death. That's just a, a bend in the curve. No, the real death comes when we're separated from God for eternity. And look what Jesus says. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And that, I'm the resurrection, not only for me, but for you. I want to raise you up. I want you to have life. He says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives believing in me will never die. That, that's the promise. That's what makes Easter the greatest day ever, the best day ever. Jesus died on that cross, and that was the act that paid your price, the cost of your sin. But it means nothing if Jesus doesn't raise from the dead three days later. And he raises himself from the dead. And Jesus says, I'll forgive your sin. I'll take away your shame. I'll take away your guilt. I'll pay the price. And here's what happens? You may die. You may pass physically from this life to the next, but you will never spiritually die. There was a little girl. She was sitting in the back seat of her dad's car. They were driving down the road. It was a beautiful day, beautiful spring day. And as they're driving down that road, had the window open, a bee flew in the car. And this little girl was deathly allergic to bee stings. So she began to scream, Daddy, Daddy, there's a bee loose in the car. There's a bee in the car. And the dad began to pull over to the side of the road. And as he did, he began to wave that bee to the front. And, and he, he was able to trap that bee on the windshield. He began to draw his hand to a close, you know, to grab the bee. And, and the bee stung him. And he let his hand back in, in, in pain. And the bee began to fly all over the car again. And the little girl got hysterical once more. She began, Daddy, Daddy, the bee's loose in the car. The bee's loose in the car. And the dad said, it's okay, honey, it's okay. You see, the bee stung me. And now he can't sting you. And Jesus died on, on the cross. The Bible says to take the sting of death for you and me. See, the sting of death isn't going from this life to the next, dying physically. It's, 
is being separated from God for all eternity because of the sin that we have in our life. It's being separated not only from Him, but also from all the good that He created that He wants us to enjoy with Him for eternity. See, there's not a black nothingness we step into. There's a full eternal life with glorified bodies. No more sin, no more shame, no more guilt, no more weakness, no more sickness, no more disease, no more bad. That's what God wants to do in all of our lives. And he took the sting of death for you and for me. And it all came to be. The hope became very real when he rose from the dead. Because if he can raise Jesus from the dead, he can raise you and I from the dead. There's a story I want you to hear. Uh, 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 Harold Noose is his name. He came to the valley, to the Troy campus, and in several months, I think it's even been longer than that, he started this journey toward God, and he let God take the sting out of his life, the sting of death for him, and it's changed everything. And I want you to hear a story, but before we go there, I want you to think about your own story. Where are you at in the journey? What chapter are you on? And what does the end of the book look like for you? Have you looked at, does it just end? Or are there more chapters to be written for all eternity? Because you're trusting in Jesus and what he's done for you. You've let him take the sting out of death, the cost of your sin, the imperfection that won't allow you to get into heaven, no matter how hard you try, no matter how good you try to be and that you allow him to die for you. Have, have you allowed him, to, will you allow him to write more chapters in the book? I want you to watch this story. Hi, my name is Harold Noose. I'm not exactly sure on the day that I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but it's been a slow process since before I can remember. You may not know, but my dad passed away in a car crash when I was really young. I share this to explain that when someone says Heavenly Father, it has had a different impact throughout my life. When I was young, I hated God. I didn't believe in religion, and I thought I could do it on my own. I've always struggled with the idea of purpose. In college, I did everything that I was supposed to do. I participated in professional development classes, leadership-based programs, the idea of purpose, ownership, legacy, they were always topics of conversation. And I thought that I could do those things and that would fulfill me. I had shallow relationships and I consistently tried to portray a life that was perfect, but I was empty inside. I needed Jesus. Right before COVID, I had my quarter-life crisis. I quit my job. I told everyone it was to renovate a new house that I had purchased, but I was miserable. I did work on the house, though it didn't fix any of my problems. Looking back, everything I was doing was self-serving. And then one day, God said it was time to fix my problems. But I ended up at a local nonprofit. I was serving alongside a believer, a real believer that 
was doing amazing work with kids in the juvenile court system. His perspective of life was contagious. Around that same time, I also started attending the Valley. These two things were the catalysts. I had no job. I just had a failed engagement and I had to move out of the house that I had just worked on for two years. Since I've accepted Jesus as my savior, I can honestly say my life's been transformed. Every day I wake up and life is a blessing and I can't wait for it to start. I currently serve as the uh, ministry coordinator at a Christian-based nonprofit. Uh, some of you may know, it's Declare. I'm the, still the garden manager, uh, serving alongside my friend Tony. I also just finished coaching two uh, soccer teams at the rec, uh, pre-K through second grade. And I also serve as the small group leader here in Troy with the elementary kids. One of the last things I do is I help coordinate a group of about 30 to 50 adults and kids. We all get together about once a month and play soccer. I've truly been blessed to have so many amazing people around me these last few years. My cup does runneth over. Lately, I've caught myself tearing up at moments of pure joy. But none of these things would be possible without God. It's by His grace that I'm able to serve in so many different capacities and have such wonderful people surrounding me. I'm confident that my life would still be empty if I didn't have my Heavenly Father impacting it every day. You know, this four-week series, we've been talking about an appointment Jesus had in Jerusalem. And he went and he kept the appointment. He died on the cross for all of us. There's still one appointment left. And that's the appointment that we make with Jesus. To respond to all that he's done for us. That he's made possible by rising from the cross. Or rising from the tomb. And this morning, I don't want anybody to leave without saying yes to Jesus. Without making an appointment with him to allow him into your life, to let him take the sting out of death so that you will not be separated from him for all eternity, that you won't be separated from all the good that he has for you. He kept his appointment and he wants you to keep yours because he made you to be sons and daughters and he wants to adopt you into the family. He wants you to be with him for eternity, to be with a perfect father in heaven, living out a purpose and having a place forever. That's the great news. Would you keep that appointment? And would you share that truth with the world? God bless you. Go and uh, remember he is risen. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend because changed lives, change lives.